to let's stand together, and I'm going to read our passage, and then we'll let Warren get to work on it. It's uh, Colossians chapter 4 is where we want to go. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. If you have one of the black hardcover Bibles, that's on page 985. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And as we read, remember, we're reading God's Word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You may be seated, and and let's pray. Yes, Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for how it teaches and corrects and rebukes and instructs us into righteousness and into right living, and we thank you for that. God, I pray for Warren today. I'm so glad he's here. And I pray that you would encourage us through what he's going to say. Give him clarity and fill him with your spirit that we might learn something from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Luke. I'm so thankful for this opportunity and just want to say welcome, family. We are all family in the family of God, right? Amen. So welcome today to all anybody who's a newcomer and Anybody who's here on a regular basis, I don't take this opportunity lightly to speak to you, so let's talk about speak today. I think that there's a great challenge with us in America, especially as American Christians, that we talk more passionately about other things besides the gospel. Um, I went to the first preseason Cardinals game and saw people worshiping birds and stars. They played the Cowboys, if you didn't know. And it would just amaze me how passionate these people are at football games and, and realize that that is a form of worship and how we can talk about football. And, and I'm not a real, real big sports guy, and I can probably be stoned for that in some uh, congregations such as Redemption. Um, uh, but but it, it amazes me how passionately people speak about other things, especially Christians. And, and so we, what if our speech was filled with gospel fluency? What if we always had Jesus on the tip of our tongue? What if we spoke passionately and people said, there's something different about how you speak and how you share, and they're intrigued by that. And I believe that this is what this passage is speaking to in Colossians. And um, if, if, if you allow me to kind of go through a different version, a New Living Translation, I want to break it down a little bit further just for us to speak in plain language. Everybody say speak. All right, I'm a, uh, you know, um, I grew up Baptist, um, so if y'all quiet, uh, we used to say something like this. Uh, if, if you're dead, uh, there's a place called a funeral home that you can live in. But if you're alive and you have life, the Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So go ahead, just give, give God good praise right now. All right. That was okay. Uh, that was all right. Jesus, uh, it's all right. Uh, they still love you. Okay. It's a little early. 
But what if we seized opportunities to pray for those who need to hear the gospel and those who need to grow in discipleship? What if we really prayed for these things? Um, because this whole passage in, in the NLT, it, it lifts up prayer, the word pray four times. And here is Apostle Paul in prison again, equipping and encouraging people to continue this work of the gospel, to speak this gospel. But I love Paul because even though he was always in chains, he never let him, his circumstance silence him. So no matter what circumstance you're in, it, it may be you're going through health challenges or, or, or it's just a financial hardship time for you, never let any circumstance chain you because Paul says this in his word, that in, in God's word, that the word of God can never be chained. So no matter what you're locked in. Remember in Acts 16 and 25, it says when Paul and Silas were beaten and they didn't even do anything and they were locked in prison, it says, and at midnight, they sang and praised to God. They prayed to God. This is what the, the one thing the enemy should do to us, but he doesn't. He should bind our mouths. See, the power for us is in our tongue. To speak and preach the gospel, you had to hear from a man or woman of God. You had to hear somebody proclaim the gospel to you so that you can hear it. The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? And guess what? Preachers are not just the people who have titles and are on stage. Hello, somebody. <laughs> that means it's you. Right? Amen. That's, thank you, sister. Thank you. So in this BLESS acronym, we speak to God in prayer, adoring his goodness and expressing our wants and needs. We speak to God in prayer. And, and, and everybody knows that Jesus is not a sanctified Santa Claus, right? Mm -hmm. We shouldn't ramble on in a wish list saying, Jesus, do this and Jesus, do that. If you don't do it, I'm not going to believe in you. Guess what? Jesus did the ultimate thing on the cross. And if he never does another thing, he's already done enough. Amen. So the other part of speaking is not just speaking to God, but speaking to others with the gospel intentionally, inviting one another to trust in God through all the circumstances we face. And remember, the context of the scripture is Paul being in prison once again, but still encouraging people to speak the word of God. And so let's get into it. Let's, let's dive into it a little bit. So, so in the context of these just few verses, it's private speech and it's public speech. It's private speech and public speech, how you talk to God and how you talk to others. Now, there was this video in WestJet. Uh, has anybody seen that WestJet video that was going around? Okay, yeah. Uh, Luke sent it to me, and it was, it was a great thing. So they had this Santa Claus in this box, and every passenger could say what they wanted for Christmas. And when they got off the plane in their other destination, they got the very thing that they asked for. So this guy was like, I just want socks and underwear. One per girl said, I want a Doc McStuffins doll. One guy said, I want a big screen TV. Everyone got what they asked for. Isn't that crazy? That guy about socks and underwear, he probably wouldn't have asked for socks and underwear <laughs> if he would have known that. And last night, I have an illustration about this too. I asked everybody if we wanted Chipotle at our meeting at Remnant. And I was like, yeah, yeah, who's, who's, who's paying? And uh, 
some of them, you know, said, well, just give me a little bit of this, and, you know, I want that. And then I ended up taking all their cards and blessed them. And they were like, shoot, I should have asked for more. You know how it is. There's a pastoral resident named Sean. Uh, and Sean, whenever we go out with Luke, he's like, Luke's buying? All right, well, give me two of these. And this on Luke, he gets a dessert. I'm like, Sean. And that sin of greed and gluttony got to him the last time we ate, and he got sick. Like, that's what you get. That's what you get, being greedy. So what if we prayed to God and we got what we asked for? What if we prayed really big prayers? What if we prayed, instead of just saying, there's a pastor in Uganda, um, Pastor Jackson Sinyanga, he came and preached at my father's church years ago. He said, people in America pray little American prayers. He said, we need to pray kingdom prayers. I'll give you an example. We pray, Lord, just give me the money for this bill. Instead of praying, Lord, meet all my needs so I'm free to do ministry. Those are kingdom prayers. God, meet every single need so I don't have to worry financially and I'm free to do what you need, want me to do, what you've called me to do. Those are praying big things, just like the guy who asked for socks and underwears and the, and, and, and the guy who got the big screen TV. He's probably looking at him like, dang. So, so start thinking about how you can speak to God. So the Bible says in ESV, it says, continue steadfastly. But the NLT says, devote yourselves to prayer. It's a verb. It's an action. Now, how devoted are we in speaking to the Father? How devoted are we in speaking to God? How devoted? Devoted means to, to uh, uh, persist, associate closely, or continue in. That's why ESV says, continue steadfastly. It's something that we should be doing. Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. How devoted are you in talking to the Father? And I know you guys already went through, listen, and most of us are taught to pray and just talk to God, but not devoted enough to listen to God. And sometimes we have to stay after we pray to listen for God's instructions. So devote yourselves to prayer. Prayer is not, is, is not a spiritual luxury. It is essential for growth. Prayer is as vital to one's spiritual health as breathing is to one's physical health. So when you stop praying, it's like you stop breathing in the natural. So once again, how devoted are you to praying and talking to the Father. Now, I'm not saying religiously that you have to always get on your knees or you have to bow down. I'm saying, do you just wake up in the morning and want to talk to Daddy? Because I know my kids do. I can't even get sleep in too good before they want to talk to me. I want to talk to God, and they want to rush in and talk to me and ask what's for breakfast and what I'm cooking. <laughs> like, Jesus, I tried to talk to you today. You got to make sure they stay asleep a little bit. <laughs> but I got to find other times to devote myself to prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is like breathing. Paul is saying your private speech is going to show up in your public speech, what you pray for. Are you praying that God is going to use you during this season to win somebody to the Lord? Because most of the times we just pray for ourselves. 
We pray for what we need, what we want. And that's okay. But what if we start interceding for other people, taking on other people's pain and other people's issues as our own and going to God? Because guess what? Jesus prays for us like that. And so if we're going to be like Jesus, praying is so essential for us. So the next thing he says is be watchful. Or NLT says be alert. In praying, a Christian should be watchful, alert, aware against spiritual drowsiness caused by the attention of the world. The world causes us to get drowsy. Remember when Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane? What happened? His disciples fell asleep. And sometimes when it comes to prayer, the American church is falling asleep. I don't know if you've ever been to an African church, but they can go. They can go. They can go. They can go. For hours. And we're like, oh, my God, if I don't have 70 minutes, oh, my God. And, they're, and they have less than we have. Don't, they, don't, they don't have Wi-Fi signals. Oh, my God, what is your Wi-Fi password? I got I to gotta be able to check my Facebook. They don't have cars. They walk hours to worship and are just there to praise and pray to God. And we feel like if we don't have air conditioning and heat, we're just in hell. God, you have deserted me and left me because my comfort has left. But be watchful. Don't let this world consume your prayer life. The disciples were given authority by Jesus. They were told that they can heal people and, de- and deliver, cast out demons. But one thing they saw Jesus do that they didn't do correctly was teach. They said, Lord, teach me how to pray. So that's what some of us have to be honest and say, Lord, if I'm not devoted to praying, Lord, teach me how to pray. If the world, if I'm praying and my Twitter goes off and my Facebook goes off, my text goes off, and I get distracted, can we just turn it off one time and devote ourselves to it? Because God has been devoted to us. Maximus the Confessor says this, He who truly loves God prays entirely without distraction. And he who prays entirely without distraction love, loves God truly. But he whose intellect is, is fixed on any worldly thing does not pray without distraction and consequently does not love God. That's heavy, ain't it? Everybody right now, you're like, man, I don't love God. Did it hit you like that? Because I had to do a church history study. He's one of the early church fathers. That messed me up. Because it, it checked my heart to say, am I really devoted? Because prayer is so essential to the Christian's life. So I don't want to depress you, so let's pick it up. <laughs> the next part, it says in, in Colossians, it says, with thanksgiving. So you have this action, be devoted. Then you have uh, be aware or be alert. But then you have this attitude of prayer. It's to be thankful with thanksgiving. Being thankful should always accompany prayer. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this food. I thank you for my family. you got to thank God before you start requesting things from God. Because I, I don't know if you grew up, uh, my dad, when he would do stuff for us, and we just would take it and be like, just walk away. He'd be like, you could say thank you. Thank you, dog. Thank you something. Just say thank you. Can we just say thank you to God? God, thank you for what I have and what I don't have. 
Thank you for who's in my life and who left my life. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Verse 3 says, pray. Praying at the same time. For us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been also in prison. So right here, pray for an opportunity to speak literally a door for the word. I love this scripture. Pray that God would open the door that you could walk in and begin to proclaim the gospel to somebody. Pray for those opportunities. After you've prayed to God, pray now for the opportunity to open for someone else to hear the word of God through you. And check this. Our speech should be inclusive to all people. It's not a us and a we language. It's black, it's white, it's brown, it's yellow, it's red. We all precious in his sight. Remember that? Jesus loves the little children of the world. Right. So, God, I pray for people that don't look like me. Give me the opportunity to bless them and speak to them the gospel, the truth in love that you have saved them. Pray for those opportunities. Because remember, you, we're, we're a family of God on mission, right? And I love getting together with, well, some of my family. Um, I love getting together with, uh, uh, you know, some of my family that are real fun. It's just, I love big family and and if we're going to seek people for, for Christ, we should be singing Sister Sledge songs after they come. We are family. Hey, I got all my Christians with me. I was in a play. I met my wife in a play doing a, um, a, a, a play with Sister Sledge, actually. But we're family. Black, white, yellow, brown. We're family. And we got to speak to each other like we family. Amen, somebody. Amen. Right. Turn to somebody and say, we family. We're family. No, say it like I said, we family. Don't say the conjunction. We family. All right. <laughs> Fourth, it says that I may make clear in a way I ought to speak. So pray for the opportunity. Next, pray for clarity. Pray for clarity that we need to keep it simple, saints. Um, you don't have to go through soteriology um, and Christology, missiology. You, you, you don't have to do all that. Just keep it simple. Keep it real basic. Jesus died. He, he, he lived the perfect life. He died, was buried, he rose from the dead for you. He wants to make you a new creation. Fill in the gaps how you want it. Keep it simple, saints. See, I didn't call you all the other words. Keep it simple, saints. Keep it real simple. Then it says, walk, walk or conduct yourselves or live, live for the opportunities. You should live. There should be a passion inside of you that, that you have a desire to see people saved. You have a desire to say, I live for the opportunity to share the gospel. Just like I live for the opportunity to see my team get in the Super Bowl. I live for the opportunity. Somebody said amen to that. <laughs> see? I live for the opportunity to speak the gospel to somebody, to see them transform. When's the last time the gospel made you cry? When's the last time you heard it and you felt like 
you were, you, you were being saved all over again. See, we forget those times. We get saved and we get comfortable and forget that we, we, we're still sinners saved by grace and become children of God. But when's the last time the gospel struck you emotionally? Men, women, boys and girls, when's the last time you said, I got to share this gospel with somebody. If I don't, I won't be doing my job as a Christian. What we've understood is that pastors are supposed to preach the gospel mostly. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon all flesh and sons and daughters begin to prophesy or proclaim the gospel. That's who we are. That's our responsibility. Live for those opportunities. Conduct yourselves in wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Live in such a way that unbelievers are attracted to you. Live in such a way that unbelievers look at your life and say, you mean you don't watch Dr. Phil and that's not how you get joy in your life? You mean... There's something else that you got, like it's not money that makes you happy? What is it? Live, live and conduct yourself in such a way, walk in such a way that sinners say, what do you have that I don't have? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And you say, it's not an it, it's a him. It's not an it, it's a him. Because... I, lo- I love when, when you can converse with somebody just like Jesus did and transformation begins to take place. You see the light start coming on. Have you had those opportunities lately? Because you want to say, they want to say there's something different about you. There should be something different about Christians in this world. The way we speak should be different. The way we conduct ourselves, the way we live should be something different. He says, always be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. 2 Timothy 4.2 says that. Verse 6 says this. Let your speech always be gracious. The NLT says attractive. What I love about Jesus is that sinners were attracted to him, but not the religious Pharisees and Sadducees. There was something different about Jesus that attracted sinners and the broken and the diseased and the lame to him. Are sinners attracted to you or does your religion turn them off? Sinners should say, I don't know if anybody ever said, there's like a glow about you. You know, everybody's spiritual and new agey. You just, your aura. It's just something about you. What is it? It's the glory of God. This is gracious glory of God. And so your speech should always be seasoned with salt. Let me break this down a little bit. It, you should have relevant speech. You should have relevant speech. What does that mean? You don't have to speak in King James Version. You can use ESV, NLT, you know, message, Bible, regular language. You know, I was telling them last night, you don't have to come up to, thus saith the Lord, that you are a decrepit soul, and you needeth thy grace. And what? Come on, man. You don't talk like that every day. 
So use relevant speech. Just the same way I talk. Like, I talk a little bit differently than y'all because I'm black, you know. But I can talk, you know, I can change my speech. I can talk, you know, they say talk white. <laughs> Carlton Banks, Will Smith, Fresh Prince, you know, it's just different, you know. I know how to flow, you know, but, but the reality is, is I have relevant speech to those who I minister to, okay? Secondly, uh, our, our, our conversation should be full of grace, it should be pleasing. And some of us, let me just say this practically, some of us need to start at home. I know I'm preaching good because it gets real quiet. <laughs> some of us need to have speech full of grace with our spouses and our children. Because some of us, my wife, and I'm saying this and I'm being very transparent, because uh, my wife will tell me, you know, you speak to church people differently than you speak to us. That's a problem. Got to correct that. So we got to have the same grace. It starts at home. Secondly, our attractive speech, like I said before, just like a good movie preview, give them a coming attraction of the kingdom when, they're, when you're speaking. Let them hear kingdom language. Let them feel the kingdom of God that's on the inside of you. Let them be attracted to that and give them that preview that they say, man, I can't wait till that picture comes out because you gave them a snapshot of the kingdom. Last thing, seasoned speech. Nobody likes bland food. I don't. Anybody like bland food? No. I like a little seasoned salt. I don't know about y'all, but this is seasoning called Lowry's. I put Lowry's on everything. And I'm not saying that, I'm, no, you know, I don't have high blood pressure or anything, but, you know, Lowry's is just an all-around, all-purpose seasoning that's real good. Like, I made some burgers. There's some remnant people here. I made some burgers the other week. They're like, man, what did you season this with? I was like, ha-ha, you know. <laughs> That Lorries. I don't need nothing else. Don't give me no salt and pepper. It's Lorries. It's good. Seasoned salt. Get some Lorries in your life. People are like, mmm, that conversation was so, so good. That's that spiritual Lorries. <laughs> so our conversation should be graceful and pleasing. But our conversation should be pure and penetrating, that when it's seasoned, it hits the point. It hits right to the heart of what people need. You listen to what they are going through, but it hits them right to the heart. It's pure and it's penetrating. It's seasoned with salt, always. And then 6C says, answer each person, meaning an NLT says, have the right response for each person. We must know how to respond to each person, not have a generalized blanket gospel. But Jesus spoke to specific situations like the woman at the well. He spoke specifically to her situation. He spoke specifically to the woman with the issue of blood. He spoke specifically to the man with the withered hand. He spoke not a blanket general uh, dry gospel, but he spoke a seasoned word that was pure and penetrating right to their situation because he had the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and discernment, and he met them right where they were. So don't think what worked for the last person you brought to Christ is going to work for this person. The Bible says answer each person. 
the way that they need to be said. And what is our response? Our, our conversations should be precise. First of all, our conversations should be pleasing. Our conversations should be pure and penetrating. And our conversations should be precise. What is the reason for our hope? It says, so we know how to respond to each person. Jesus is the reason for the season. Laurie's. <laughs> Not just the Christmas season. Because we get we holiday Jesus and we don't everyday Jesus. I say that at Remnant all the time. Uh, y'all can borrow that. We, we, we holiday Jesus and we don't everyday Jesus. So when I say he's the reason for the season, it, when you're saying, they say, where is your hope? It's Jesus. He's the reason that I'm speaking to you like this. He's the reason that I'm passionate because he spoke and, and, the, and God and the world existed. Why is it so important to speak? Because God speaks to you. Why is it so important? Because God, the, the 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says that love speak. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a bad drummer. So I speak with love because God spoke with love when he sent his son Jesus to his earth. And Ricky Bobby calls him baby Jesus. So when he sent baby Jesus to this earth, what Jesus did was took some love that was so out of this world and put it in this world so that we could share it with everybody else who could change their world. Hallelujah, somebody. That's when you ought to praise God right there. It was so out of this world that he sent Jesus. And I love the fact that God never stopped speaking, even though through the Old and New Testament, there was a gap of, of, of silence when God did not say anything to his people. And it was a 400-year silence. But then Luke 3, 21 and 22 says that Jesus came to be baptized. And his father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove because the Holy Spirit conceived that boy. For unto us a child is uh, a child was given, unto us a son, a child was born, unto us a son was given, and this man's name was Jesus the Christ. God spoke so you can speak. And then Jesus comes out of that baptism and the temptation and goes in the wilderness. And then he comes back and speaks this in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. He said the spirit of the Lord is upon me not to be silent with my message, but to speak forth the truth of God. The spirit of the Lord has been given to each one of us so that we may speak the truth of God's love and his glorious gospel. Are you speaking? God said light and there was. God said you be saved, be my child. And God says will you now? tell other people that they can be adopted by me as their father. Can you break your silence? God broke his silence between both testaments. Can you break your silence and say that you once were a wretch undone, but God saw you afar off and Jesus brought you back to him and reconciled you to the father? Can you break your silence and speak that he sent himself in flesh. Can you break your silence that he loved us while we were yet sinners and there's nothing you can do to save yourself but believe and confess in Jesus Christ. 
Can you break your silence today, Redemption Church, for somebody else who needs to know this wonderful Savior who was sent to us over 2,000 years ago in uncomfortable circumstances and situations, but never complained, never complained, used his circumstance just like Paul, devoted in praying to the Father, his public speech, his private speech and his public speech that transformed the world. We are a part of that story. And, it's, and we have to be responsible enough to take our, our, our role in that. So I would say that we need to do this. We need to repent first of the fear, the rejection, the complacency, the apathy, the insecurity for not speaking. After we repent, repent, we need to pray for the opportunities, pray for the clarity that God would direct you to the souls that need him. And lastly, we need to speak. There are people needing to hear there is a loving God who wants to adopt them, provide for them, protect them, heal them, deliver, save them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you continue to speak to us. And we thank you that you left your word to speak to us. And so today, God, as we stand here, maybe convicted, maybe challenged, but hopefully we are charged to take action, that we, we can bless people through speaking. Lord God, help us be devoted to you. Help us to continue steadfastly but help us to live for the opportunities to speak your word. I thank you for this time. Bless your people in Jesus' name.